EQ um, has only been around since the late 90s or, or mid 90s, okay? And um, I remember studying it when I was doing my psych degree. And I remember I did my psych degree in 2000. And I think Emotional Intelligent really became famous back in 19. 19- 95 by this guy called Mm. Daniel Coleman. He wrote a book on emotional intelligence. And I was a financial advisor at the same time as I was doing my psych degree. And I just remember thinking, oh man, I could use this. I could use this with the right intention, okay, um, in sales, in, in my environment, in financial services. So I just remember really studying about it. I remember doing some further studies later because emotional intelligence is something I, as I said before, it's a learned skill. So we can develop in emotional intelligence. Tell us about Kylie. Sure. Okay. Oh, I didn't know we were going to start there. Um, so... <laughs> My name is Kylie Denton and essentially what I do is I work with leaders and their teams, you know, developing higher performing leaders and teams, you know. So one of the things that is, and and I, pull me up if I get on my high horse about this, but I'm real passionate about this is I often find that leaders are put into a leadership position or people are put into a leadership position Um, because they're a good practitioner or a good um, technician or they were good at what they did. And then all of a sudden it's kind of like you should be a manager, right? And then they're put into a management role, but it's either sink or swim. You know, managing people is complex, isn't it? People are complex. I have a background in psychology. I know how complex people are. And then all of a sudden we put them in a team of people and we go, right, now all of you need to work together in order to achieve this goal. Okay, but the reality of it is, is there's leaders and people that have been put into that position. No one's ever shown them how to lead people. No one's ever shown them how to hold people accountable, how to manage underperformance, how to lead change, how to hold people, um, provide people with feedback, how to help people collaborate, even even how to develop strategy in order to be able to get to the goals that the organisation is is there. And my belief is always that leaders, the the role of a leader is to grow new leaders, okay, bring on new leaders and help people be the best they can. So my real passion is around helping leaders develop and grow in how to be a better leader by giving them the tools they need and the frameworks and the models they need to be able to lead a team of people to success or lead a team of people to become a higher performing team or to achieve their goals. So I just often find that sometimes we we blame it on the leaders not performing, whereas I think it's the leaders of the leaders that haven't <laughs> given them the tools and the skills to be able to do what they do. So essentially that's what we do is, is we help leaders to become really confident, competent leaders so they can lead a high-performing team, but also to achieve the broader strategic goals of organisations. Let's dive straight in with that. So when it comes to leadership, what are some common uh, mistakes, mistakes in a broad word that leaders often make? Uh, One of them, so I'll give you an example, one of them for me that I've seen is that just because you're good or you're competent at a uh, specific job doesn't mean that you should be a leader in that job. Exactly, exactly. So, and, you know, when we become a leader, we actually need different skills. We need different qualities. We need different competencies to become that leader. We're no longer doing that the, the task that we were doing before. Well, we shouldn't be. We should really be getting out of the weeds and, and, and into that broader strategic thinking. So I think the mistakes is, one, is we don't provide leaders with the the tools and training and development they need to be successful as a leader. And, you know, when I think about leadership, leadership is complex. We're required to have so many qualities and skills. You know, we need to be Mm -hmm. visionary. We need to be influential. We need to be great communicators. We need to be great collaborators. We need to be great at holding people accountable. We need to be great at so many different things as a leader. There's just so many different qualities that we need as a leader. So it's about, you know, the mistake they make is 
assuming that just because someone was good at what they do, they no longer need help and that we're just going to let them go and hopefully they either achieve or they don't. But I can guarantee if they don't achieve, the leader that put them in their place is probably going to go, they just weren't cut out for that job. And it's like, Mm. actually, no, it's not that they weren't cut out for that job. What we do know about leadership is leadership is a skill, okay? A little bit like emotional intelligence, and I know you I know you want to get to that at some stage, but same with emotional intelligence. It's a skill. It's a learned skill. So we can actually provide leaders with the tools and the resources and the training and development they need to be successful, okay? So I think the mistake that many leaders make is, one, not providing their leaders with the right training, support and development to to grow them into outstanding leaders. But I think another really key area that leaders make mistakes in is they they try to do it alone. They're not vulnerable. They're not not, um, going to their team going, you know what, I don't have all the answers. Um, Who else knows this or who else um, could help me with this? I'm really big at saying, especially to my team, is that I've got some really good ideas. However, your ideas and my ideas make great ideas, okay? Mm. And and I'm also saying to them, I don't know that space. So if someone, if there's something not working, I need you to come and talk to me about that. So I don't, I don't profess to know all the answers. So as leaders, I think we've got to be vulnerable. I think we've got to be transparent. I think we've got to be able to collaborate with people and help the team become, you know, if we think about that gestalt theory, it's about how do we bring, it's the sum of all parts, is how do we bring all the team to that collective intelligence to be the best? So I think that's another mistake is leaders feel that they, they have to know it all and they don't want to be vulnerable and they don't want to let anyone know that they might not know. Yet some of the best leaders that I work with, they'll say to me, Kylie, I am suffering imposter syndrome like you would not believe. And these are C- C-suites, heads of, GMs, and they're saying to me, man, I don't know if I've got this or not, but someone above thinks I do, so I better be able to do it. <laughs> to do it. You know, and and that's that ability to go, you know what, I can't do it alone. Who do I need to collaborate with? Who do I need to build relationships with? Who do I need to bring together to be the best that I can? Who was that saying that said, you know, if you're in the, if you are the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room? Yeah. I forget who it was, but I know the quote you're talking about. Yeah, you know, it it was, I'm not sure who it was either. I can't think off the top of my head, but I only said that to a group of leaders the other day. If you are the smartest person in your room, you're in the wrong room, okay? So as leaders, you know, how can you reach out and, and, and collaborate more, build stronger relationships and be vulnerable too? Yeah, and speaking to that from my experience as well, I hired a business coach about two and a half months ago and I remember the first feeling the first call that I had I got off that call and I'm like oh my god I'm so dumb (laughs) and not in like a self-loathing kind of way but purely in a wow why don't I do this sooner and I've had coaches before that and I, I, I really believe in the value of having a coach the right coach at the right time and I remember getting this coach. I'm like, wow, what have I, I should have done this years ago, you know? And for me, it really highlighted what you just said then. It's like, you want to surround yourself with people who are experts in their areas. Obviously mm-hmm. there's different areas of life that you do and don't want to do that. But generally speaking, if I'm spending all my time on one specific task, let's say for example, it's video editing. And I then walk into a room and try and do operations when there's a bunch of people that know operations better than me. It's, it's not even a thing, you know? And it's like, the ego, it's like there's this really cool saying. I think you'll appreciate the saying. It's from, um, uh, it's called Search Inside Yourself, the book by Chad Mangtan, who's uh, an ex-employee of Google. And he yeah. says, having an ego is not a bad thing. It's about being able to shrink it when you need to and expand it when you need to. Yeah, you go on, yeah. go on a stage, do some public speaking, you want to expand your ego. Yes. You want to feel confident. You want to feel, um, yeah. I guess, yeah. proud to a degree. When you want to listen to someone have ambition, you shrink your ego. So yeah. I think it really speaks into, um, I mean, emotional intelligence. That's for sure. We can dive into that, I think. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, two points just around, just to close that bit off, because I'm sure for people that are listening to, um, you know, that might be wondering about a coach. I'm a, I'm a professionally certified coach, but I have my own coach. Okay. Yes. So, so it's really important that people out there, we wouldn't, we wouldn't put a football team on the field without a coach, would we? Or a soccer team or an AFL team or whatever, or a netball team, it doesn't matter. So they're, they're coached to become the best they can. So it's the same if you're running your own business, okay, or wanting to achieve a really big goal. You've got to have a coach. I was only writing an article for a, for a podcast that I'm doing in a few weeks' time, and they said, what was one of the smartest things you did when you first started your business? And I'd started my business 11 years ago. And I remember LinkedIn was, it was there, it was it was a platform, but it wasn't a really big platform like it is today and I don't think it would have had all the algorithms that it had. But I remember what, 11 years ago when I started my business, I put on a post that said, I'm just starting a new business and I'm looking for, and I called it a pro bono coach or mentor that would be willing to spend some time with me um, just running through and, and being that that sounding board for me. I got so many, so many offers of help from around the globe that would, would offer to do that. I've still got the two people in my network today that I still ring up every now and again and go, hey, can I run this by you? So, you know, it's so important that even if you can't afford to coach your own, look out for those pro bono coaches, those mentors, the ones that are going to be able to help drive you forward. Okay. <laughs> Does that help? Does that, you know what I... Does that make sense from that perspective? I love that. I just want to add to that as well. I think that um, if you're you have a big enough, uh, it's another saying, another famous saying, if you have a big enough why, you figure out the how. You know, so like getting a coach. You know, and, and this is I don't want to sell on the idea of getting a coach um, so heavily, but let's just speak about it for a second because it's so important. If you want to get a coach and you're like I don't have the money, it's like there is a way. You just have to yeah. find a way. Yeah. Most coaches are very flexible. You can say to them like, how much do you cost? Okay, it's 15K for, you know, three months, six months, or it is. Look, I, I really want to work with you. I'm really, I'm into this. I'll do whatever you, I'm very coachable. I'll listen. I've got a beginner's mind. Can we work something with a payment? Can we do like a little bit here, a little bit there? Yeah. And then honestly, 95% of the time, not all of them, of course, um, but 95% mm -hmm. of the time, people will see that. They'll see that you're passionate about it. And if you give them a big enough why, they'll, they'll facilitate that. And with my business coach, like for me, I'm like, oh, it's a lot of money up front. And he's like, can we do something with that? Can we can we work it out here or there? And he's like, yep, we can do this in a financial year, da 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 da, -da. And it worked yeah. out. And yeah. straight away, I got an ROI pretty much two weeks after that. So if yeah. you get a coach, if anyone listening, it's worth the jump. So. Yeah, it is. Do you know, Keith Abrahams is so one of my mentors. He, he wrote a book on when the wise become clear, the house become easy. Okay. Yeah. So that is something that I'm I'm constantly saying to the leaders that I work with. When we really get clear on our why, then the house becomes so so easy because it makes so much more sense. Um, okay, let's move into emotional intelligence because this is a, a pretty, pretty passionate um, topic for me too. You know, I, what I might do is I might define what emotional intelligence is. Okay, because Please. often I find that so many people know what IQ is. Um, it's been around, I think, probably since the 1960s, 50s, something like that. It's been around for a long time. But EQ um, has only been around since the late 90s or, or mid-90s, okay? And um, I remember studying it when I was doing my psych degree. And I, remember I did my psych degree in 2000 and I think Emotional Intelligent really became famous back in 19. 95 by this guy called mm. Daniel Coleman. He wrote a book on emotional intelligence. And I was a financial advisor at the same time as I was doing my psych degree. And I just remember thinking, oh man, I could use this. I could use this with the right intention, okay, um, in sales, in, in my environment, in financial services. So I just remember really studying about it. I remember doing some further studies later because emotional intelligence is something I, as I said before, it's a learned skill so we can develop in emotional intelligence. So the definition of emotional intelligence, and I'll read it out, okay, because it's fairly hefty. 
Emotional intelligence is the ability to understand, use and manage your own emotions in positive ways. So manage, understand and use your own emotions in positive ways. But then the second part of the definition is in order to relieve stress, communicate effectively, empathise with others, overcome challenges and diffuse conflict. (laughs) Okay, it's wow. chunky, isn't it? Okay, so it, it is. is. I, I, when I think about emotional intelligence, I think about, and I'll break that down into something a little bit more easy to understand. It is your thoughts, your emotions, and your behaviour. Okay, so what you do with your thoughts, your emotions, and your uh, will result in the behaviour. Okay. So emotional intelligence is really broken up into a number of different quadrants, okay, that we look at. Self-awareness, there's self-awareness, there's empathy, motivation, self-regulation and social skills, okay. So five quadrants. Some emotional intelligence um, doctors will look at it in four quadrants, one will look at it in six and one will look at it in five. It doesn't matter. They all fit under those those pillars, okay. Mm -hmm. But essentially it is how do you manage your own emotions in order to be able to regulate them but also how do you manage um, the relationships that you have with others as well? So it kind of balances that out. And if you think about emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence is so different for all of us. We've all, we've all grown up in different situations, haven't we? We've all um, we, we've grown up in different situations. We perceive things in different ways, which also means that our emotions, our thoughts and behaviours are also different. So it's why, you know, emotional intelligence is so such an important topic for people to build because we know that when you develop yourself in emotional intelligence, there's so many benefits not only for yourself but your partners, your children, your people that you're leading and all of that. So emotional intelligence is something that we often think of as I know what it means kind of but I don't really know how it actually is defined and then what that means from a behavioural perspective as well. And just to jump in there, so could you give myself and listeners an example of emotional intelligence in play? It could be just a fictional example. It could be in real life, but something that would display what emotional intelligence is in the real world. Yeah, sure. So emotional intelligence. So so imagine we go into, I'll, I'll give you a business world example and then I'll give you something that we might, that everyone might experience um, on a daily basis. Sure. So a business world example might be um, I, I walk into a meeting and I see in that meeting someone that I particularly don't like very much or maybe there's a little bit of tension between us, maybe I don't really particularly like working with them or they don't like me or we just haven't connected, okay? Mm. Emotional intelligence is one, first understanding the thoughts that are going through my head, okay? So what what is it that I'm thinking about this dynamic between me and this person? The second part is one having the self-awareness to go, oh, what's the emotion I'm feeling? It could be annoyance, it could be frustration, it could be anger, it could be whatever. It doesn't matter. It's the emotion that I'm feeling. But then my behaviour is how do I react to that person? So, you know, I could either be short with them, okay, that's not good self-management, or I could talk to them in a really professional manner and dismiss those emotions. So what we would see is someone that has good emotional intelligence would be able to, one, be aware of the thought that's coming up, understand the emotion, but not let that emotion play out in my behaviour. So it might be, you know, me and you talking professionally, even though there's something between us that's not gelling or not connecting or I don't particularly like you or you don't particularly like me, that's pushed under and we're having this beautiful professional conversation. So that's a really great way of how we, we manage emotional intelligence in the correct way. If I wasn't managing it the right way, you might hear me say a few short things. I might be a little mm. bit passive aggressive to you. I might maybe sit on the opposite side of you as opposed to beside you. I might be a little bit ruder. My tone might be wrong. 
that's mm. an impact where we're not managing that regulation around that that manage, self-management, okay, of emotional intelligence. So it's about understanding what are the thoughts that I'm feeling, sorry, what are the thoughts that I'm thinking, what are the emotions that I'm feeling, and then mm-hmm. what behaviour do I choose? Do I choose the high road or do I choose the road that's not going to be real helpful in a meeting situation? What about confronting that person I mean confronting in the most gentle sense of the word but approaching them and saying like hey like I'm feeling xyz about this situation so you have for example crucial conversations which they talk about smart which is share the facts um it was a, it's a share the facts um I think the next one is something about uh telling the feelings asking tentatively um asking for their opinion so basically mm-hmm. so my approach when conflict comes up because for me, I'm a very sensitive person. So when when conflict arises, and for me, because I'm so sensitive as a child, my way to learn to deal with that sensitivity was to kind of block it off and yeah, to yeah. be, be yeah. very good at, yeah, be very good at um, uh, being normal but feeling uh, tumultuous inside. So yeah. what I learned a few years ago when I went through, you know, the the path of looking to my childhood and understanding where things came from and why I am the way way I am, I realized I didn't have to be like that. And when it came to professional and personal relationships, I would just share how I felt about something, you know, whether it be like I feel bad about X or this, or it's like, hey, I'm I'm feeling a bit of tension here. Am I missing something? Or, hey, I'm feeling, um, uh, and always always say I feel, not like you made me feel this. Why do you make me feel this? Like, hey, hey, um," so again, share the facts. Like, hey, like you said this yesterday and it made me feel like you didn't appreciate my work um am i missing something there yeah and they might just say oh like no i'm having a bad day and my experience with this and i'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well my experience with this approach is that when you open up your heart and when you're vulnerable to someone um 99 of the time people reciprocate that back if not Mm -hmm. straight away again like it's like letting off that armoring letting off that that shield that you're wearing of like i'm 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 not. I'm going to be like closed off here. It's like no, no. Open up and share how I feel. And initially, people are like, oh, no, no, no. But then you keep just opening your heart, and people yeah. typically respond in a positive way. That's my experience. Yeah. Is that something that you would recommend as well? I mean, might be yeah. hard in certain environments, but no, no. You know, even as a leader, I'm often working with leaders. I use what we call a, an idea model. So it's I D E A. So we identify mm. the behaviour, we describe the impact, we explore the options of moving forward and we come up with a bit of an action plan so if that was the case if there was something that if I felt conflict or if I felt that someone was I don't know we just weren't gelling then I absolutely agree with you it is about actually taking it outside of the meeting it's not time for it in the meeting but it's taking it outside of the meeting hey let's have a chat I feel that every time we work together that I don't know there's something that's that's happening and I'm not sure whether it's something I've caused it or whether or not there's something that's going through your mind but I'd love to have a chat with you about it okay so it's how do we do it I always say if the intention is right the outcome can be great okay so one of the things that I work with my team I give my team feedback all the time so one of the things that um, is part of our culture within my organization is that feedback fuels us to be the best that we can okay so although the feedback might be developmental or it might be motivational or it might be an area where there's a gap they know that the reason that I'm bringing this up is because my intention is right for them I want to help them be the best they can I want to work with them I want to support them I want to grow them I want to do all of that okay so when we go in, and I, I'm, I, I'm using intention, I think, because I've got the, the corporate hat on, but you're using intention from the heart, from the emotion. It's the same thing, okay? I even point yeah, to it, it, my intention, here's my heart right here. It's because I want to be better. I want you to be better. I can know you can be better. So when the intention is right, then I've always found the outcome can be just outstanding. So I absolutely agree. It's that ability, and again, if we think about emotional intelligence, one of the, the, the pillars of it is relationships, okay, how well we maintain and build relationships. So if you're sort of just sweeping that under the rug going, I don't like them, they're just not my people, all that sort of stuff, 
then then there's going to be a low impact of emotional intelligence. You're going to come low in that area because it's it's not about that. It's about how do we work with people and engage with people, okay, from, from that perspective. I always yeah. think, okay, emotions are just triggers. They're triggers that are telling us something, okay. There's a trigger. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling energised, whatever it might be. It's a trigger. It's telling me something. It's your intelligence is what you do with it, okay? So when we have those feelings of, I don't know, like um, conflict with someone, it's just a trigger. What is it really telling you? So I always go, emotions are the triggers. Your intelligence will determine what you do with it, okay? So that mm. does, does, does that work for you? Does that connect? It does connect, and I think the the, the underlying um, for me, like a, a, as you'd say, so again, like I think of um, I think of things in three layers, like objective, strategy, tactic, and of course, not taking out of the fact that we're humans and we're messy and things happen. But I think a really cool uh, tactic that I that I've actually used a lot in my own life. And I hate the word tactic; it sounds conniving, but I don't mean it that way at all. But it's creating safety by reminding someone hey, my goal here is to do X, Y, Z. My goal here is to, uh, so for example, in intimate relationships, like when someone gets offensive, like we use the classical, like you didn't stack the dishwasher last night. <laughs> like my intention here isn't to make you feel, and when you say that first and foremost, you then have to think to yourself, what is my what intention? Is my here? intention, yeah, yeah. Yeah, am, am I actually trying to pick a fight because I'm upset about something else myself? So even thinking of that conversation in your mind, the trigger, as you mentioned there before, is, oh, hey, like, is that my intention? Mm. So then when you think about that and you come to the conversation, it's like, hey, my intention here isn't to belittle you or make you feel small. My goal is to bring us closer together yeah. so we're able to become a, become more companionate together yeah. and create a more communal relationship. Um, and it's so interesting that you mentioned that before around intention because I – I stopped doing that somewhere along, like, somewhere along the way and I, I forgot about it. Um, but I'm going to start using that more again because I think that's really important when you share, hey, my goal isn't to like, I don't want to make you feel bad. I just, I genuinely want to yeah. try and figure out a solution for this. Yeah, yes. And I think um, if we let people know that, then they they actually receive that information in a in a different way. You know, feedback for many people, especially in business, is um, negative connotations to it. Oh, my God, feedback. Oh, no, I've done something wrong. Whereas to me, as a leader, our role is to help grow, develop, support and inspire our team. So if I give them no feedback other than mm -hmm. negative feedback, then how is that ever going to help someone to be inspired and grow, okay? Whereas mm. if I'm giving them feedback and they know that the feedback is not because Kylie's upset or angry or annoyed at me, she's giving it to me because she knows that next time I'm going to be able to do it better or right or learn from it, okay? And they then go, give me feedback, okay? So my team will often say to me, give me feedback, Kylie. I want to know. How can I be better? Because mm. they're so used to me giving that because they know that, my intention is right, okay? Yeah, I, so I feel, and let's, let's dive into that because, so feedback, right, you know, it's a huge word that's used. What's what's a different word for feedback? Can we use it, try to try to use a different word? Um, gosh, um, feedback might be... Realigning the vision perhaps. Maybe it might be information. Can I share with you maybe observations? It could be information, observations, mm. thoughts, ideas. So let's say, for example, we're, we're sharing uh, observation with someone. What is the – and using emotional intelligence as, I guess, the, the tool or the encapsulation of the idea, what is the best way for one to provide an observation slash feedback to someone yeah, okay. So for me, if if I was to to start with that part of it, I might say, would you be open to me sharing some ideas or observations with you? Okay. 
So as a coach, I, uh, you know, and again, I'm qualified, so we have some really clear ethics around what we can and what we can't do. And one of the things Mm. we can't do is give advice, okay, or give solutions or give thoughts, okay. However, there are some times when um, I might say to someone, would you be interested in hearing what my ideas or thoughts are or what I've seen work in the past? If they go, yes, Kylie, and by the way, I've never had anyone say no, don't tell me, okay? If they say yes, I'll go, great, well, this is how I've noticed this or I've observed this or I've seen this. How do you think that might work for you, okay? So when I've asked permission, would you be open to some feedback? Would you be open to, to, to looking at something different? Would you be open to an idea around how I might be able to help you be more effective or efficient or faster at what you do? If someone's willing to do it, then they'll go, yeah, sure, bring it on. Yeah, I was having a conversation with someone. It was last night actually, and they were sharing a, a technique um, I feel those words are so cold technique, you know, they're showing a way of being a way of being a version of being where if you're going to share something that's maybe a bit blunt or perhaps a bit harsh or these things like, Hey, just let you know, I'm going to be a bit blunt here. Um, and maybe that's not the best way to do it. But I felt when, when he mentioned that, it's like, ah, oh, cool. Cause there is something harsh that I want to share here. There is something blunt that I want to share here, but I don't want them to feel jaded by it or hurt by it. It's not my intention. Yeah. Again, it's the intention. Yeah. And it's just sharing with them. It's like preparing someone for for the information you're about to give them. Yeah, yeah, it is. And you know, also it's about how open are you to receiving yeah. feedback? How open? And you know, sometimes even when I'm and again, I've I've just finished a coaching session before we came on today, and I I saw some real gaps around an area that we were working on with him. And I said mm. to him, would you be open for me to share my observation with where, where we went today? And he said, yeah, please, okay. And I shared some observations with him around where I felt he hadn't quite closed the loop on a couple of things. And I said, I'm curious now that you've heard that, did any of that land for you? Did it, did it resonate with you? And he went, you've made me really think of something different to what I was thinking before. That's that's all my goal was, was just for them to think differently. He can take it, he can leave it, he can use it, he doesn't have to. But the, obs- the, the opportunity was how do we help someone think broader about the impact that they could be having? And I think when you ask questions like that, and you provide a, a model of thinking. It's not just the question that provides the impact. It's also the model of thinking or the way of approaching situation that rubs off as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know there's one, and I, I did a group of leaders I through a coaching program yesterday, so took them through a coaching for leaders workshop. And one question I love that I often use in coaching is, um, would, you like, would you like to know what, I would do. And they go, yes, Kylie, I'd love to know that. And I'd go, what do you think I might say? Okay. (laughs) Okay. It's a really really powerful question, Luke, because what actually happens is they go, you might do that. And I go, maybe. How how does that even sit with you? And they go, Mm. Ah, actually, I could probably do that, but I might need to tweak it. So I love it. I always go, do you you want some advice or do you want me to tell you what I might do? And they go, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I go, what do you think I might say? And they go, Kylie, (laughs) that's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the good thing about that is that's speaking to, um, that's saying that the people you're speaking to are receptive to that that information. So I'm wondering, um, this just popped in my mind before, I'm wondering when you have a team that, perhaps maybe feels disheartened or disenfranchised to a degree and they're not receptive to that kind of, you know, back and forth, so to speak of like, what do you think you should do? I don't know. You tell me. Or like, they feel disempowered to a degree. How does one approach that situation where I guess there's not much of an investment. There's kind of like, they're just doing their job. They're plodding along. They feel disempowered. Perhaps how do you turn that around? 
Oh wow, that's that's a that's a loaded question, isn't it? Um, there's so <laughs> yes, many things that that I could could um, go there with that because it's not just one answer. Mm. It's not just let's just have a talk with them and find out what their goals are and what their motivations are. It's 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 bigger than that. It's so so much bigger than that. Um, you know, if we think about, there's a great uh, leadership framework um, that is called from Patrick Licioni, and it's called the five dysfunctions of a team. Okay, and he talks about, you know, how do we move from a, a dysfunctional team into a functioning, mm. a highly functioning team? And as I said before, you know, people are complex, yet put them into a, a team that is, becomes even more complex, okay, can be really difficult. So the very, very first thing that we want to do with that, Luke, is we want to build trust. Trust is the, 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 the most important foundation of a highly functioning team. So to me, that would be where I would start is how, how do we build trust how do we work together more? How do we become um, where they are open, where they are might even be how do I how do I add value to your role? How can I best support you? What do you need from me? Okay, it can be those simple questions and then delivering that. But what I think is missing in that situation is that there's a lack of trust. Um, and mm. trust will break a team like nothing else. Yeah, wow. So what does one do to develop trust? Mm, I knew you were going to go there. Um, trust is built, you know, trust is built by small actions. Okay, so even think about it even from a friend perspective or from a relationship perspective or from a team perspective, even with a child, even with your children, Trust isn't built by the big things that we do. I can't take you on a holiday and then all of a sudden you you trust me, okay? Um, that's just not how trust is built. Trust is built by those small moments. It could be picking up the phone to say, you know, Luke, I know you've had a rough couple of weeks. I just wanted to check in, okay? It could be mm. asking about what you did on the weekend. It could be finding out the names, ages and schools that your kids go to. It could be finding out what they what they did on the weekend. What's what are they passionate about? You know, there's this great exercise I do with teams around um, building trust, and it's called Life as a Child, and it's it's really non intrusive questions that ask, you know, how many siblings do you have? Uh, where did you grow up? What was your first job? What was your worst job? What was your biggest challenge growing up? And I just did this session on Friday last week with a group of leaders. There was 12 leaders. And out of those, out of those 12 leaders, three leaders actually shared with us their biggest challenge growing up was they all spent a lot of time in hospital. Now, I've never experienced that kind of connection before. There's normally connection with, I used to dirt bike, I used to live in the country, I used to, I grew up there too or whatever. But out of the 12 leaders, three of them, their biggest challenge was that they'd spent a lot of time in hospital. It's that, it's those little bits of connection that help us find out more about you and more about them and their family and their interests. That's what builds trust, Okay. Um, it's, it could be a text to say, hey, you popped into my mind today and I just thought I'd reach out and say happy Friday. Yeah, well. You know, that's, that's how we build trust. It's not the big things, it's the little things. It's about delivering on your commitment. If I say I'm going to be there next Friday at 12 o'clock, I'm going to be there next Friday. If I say that I'm going to deliver this piece of work for you, I'm going to deliver this piece of work for you. You know, it's, it's, it's all of those small moments that help us as humans connect with others and feel like we've got each other. Mm. Yeah, well, okay. And do you feel like, um, I guess, trusting as well, I was going to say, what if the, um, I'm going to the, the, the depths of, uh, you know, the whole situation because I think, we talk so much about how to be the leader, but like what's, what are the, the tools to turn a team around? You know, we don't really speak about that very much. And I feel like a lot of leaders go through that. 
you know, because there is so much of that. Um, but yeah, trust. Okay, so trust, and I imagine a good dose of emotional intelligence as well. Yeah, there is. There's an emotional intelligence. I think what's really critically important for for teams as well is that opportunity to connect. So you know, mm. sometimes what we do is we've all got our own remit, don't we? We know this is your job, this is your team, this is your objectives, these are your KPIs or whatever it might be. This is what you've got to deliver. But it's the connection with the team that that is critical. You know, I talk about, I work with senior leadership teams and I'm talking about senior leaders as being team A and then the teams yep. that fall under them are team B. Whereas normally when I start with the team, with the executives or the senior leaders that I'm working with, I go, who's team A, your team or this team? And who's team B? And nearly every situation, people will say to me, team A is the team that falls under me. Okay, but what I'm saying is that if team A, which is your senior leadership team or your leadership team are not collaborating and not working together and not focused on the same outcomes and goals and objectives, then team B see this silo approach. They see people not working together. They see people not understanding, communications poor, engagements there. you're just not going to achieve those goals. So it's how do teams connect? Um, How do they work together? When do they work together? How do they collaborate? How do they spend time getting to know each other, building trust? How do they um, build on emotional intelligence? How do they hold each other accountable as well? How do they work together in order to be able to be accountable to each other? It's really easy to hold your team accountable below you, isn't it? But it's really hard to hold your peers accountable if you're not, if they're not reporting to you. So as a leadership team, how are we going to work together to make sure we deliver on what we we say we're going to deliver? And there's another thing that's really important for teams, and you kind of touched on it a little bit before. It's the ability to have healthy conflict. Yeah. We yeah. want conflict in a team. We don't want everyone agreeing. We don't want everyone going, yep, let's do that. That's all good and follow the leader. As leadership teams we want healthy conflict and again I'll go back to that intention if I'm going to challenge your strategy or your approach or the way in which you're working Luke I'm doing it for the good of the team not because Mm. I don't like you okay so when I'm challenging you I'm going actually my thinking is different around that approach would you be open to hearing what my thoughts are and you going, yeah, absolutely. I, I, please bring that diversity, bring that different in thinking. Um, that's when we get the goal. That's when that collective intelligence is is there. So many things. I work with teams um, each month, right up for nine to twelve months, because we're trying to bring them together. It's not easy. It's not easy bringing a team together and getting them to work together. It really does take time. It takes trust takes connection it takes emotional intelligence it takes accountability it takes Mm. conflict it does all of that so um there's Mm. sometimes i'll put in a bit of conflict you know where we're going to look at our strategy we're going to look at our prioritization and then watch how the team work together to to come out on top let's use a scenario say you're someone who's just started a business and you're uh you're growing rapidly and you need to hire a bunch of people um what are some simple principles strategies techniques whatever it might be that they should know to begin with around running a team running a team okay regular so they're going to want a really clear operating uh, operating rhythm so when are we going to meet how often what's going to be the purpose of it what's going to be the outcome so what's our meeting operating rhythm like The second part is how are we going to communicate? So when are we going to communicate? What channels are we going to communicate with? Is it going to be in huddles? Is it going to be in meetings? Is it going to be via Zoom? Is it going to be via um, um, a fortnightly meeting? So what's our communication? Okay. The, The third really important part around teams is our ways of working. Okay. So how are we going to distribute work? How are we going to hold each other accountable? How are we going to be honest and open and transparent? How are we going to manage conflict? 
Okay, how are we going to make decisions? So I, I run a workshop, a free workshop at the moment around the foundations of high-performing teams. And some of the things that I'm talking about is just those things. Let, let's get our foundations stable. The next thing that's really important and, and works in conjunction with that is what is our vision? What is our mission? What is our purpose? What are our goals? Okay, so real clear planning around where are we going? Where's that light on the hill? Okay, so often um, startups will have all of these amazing ideas in their head. Okay, even businesses, they have all of these amazing ideas in their head, but they haven't clearly articulated it to the rest of the people the rest of the people around what is our purpose, what is our mission, what is our vision, where are we going, what's what's our, what's our that goal, what's that big three top goals that we are striving for as an organisation. And then helping the people under actually understanding the role in which they play. So one of them might be social mm-hmm. media, okay, one of them might be you manage the marketing, but what are we really trying to get, what's the outcome if you market well, well, we have increased customers, we have reduced cost, we have, you know, more referrals, whatever it might be. Let people know the real piece of the puzzle that they play so that they can go, oh, okay, so I'm not just posting on social media Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm actually posting with an outcome. So am I getting that outcome or am I not getting that outcome? And then, you know, once we've got the goals, how do we measure it? How do we know if we're achieving it? And that meeting operating rhythm is critical because they should be meeting on a regular basis to check in. How are we going? Are we getting the referrals? Are we getting the sales? Are we getting the engagement? Are we getting the whatever it might be that they're they're trying to get? You know, so it's really, there's some real key areas that uh, startups and businesses often don't set and then wonder yeah. why everyone's busy being busy as opposed to busy with the purpose of where are we really going for. I love it when I get to spend time with leaders, helping them to nut out their vision, their mission, their purpose, their goals and how they're going to measure it and then the part that everyone plays because everyone walks out and goes, oh, my God, I'm so clear. I know exactly what i got to do and I exactly when i got to do it. I know how I'm going to do it, why I'm going to do it and who I'm going to do it with. It's the same as what you said before. When the how, when the whys become clear, what are we trying to achieve? Where are we going? The hows become really easy. Mm. So what I'm hearing there is clarity. Oh, like clarity on yeah. mission, purpose. Here's what we're doing. How's here? I think we should get there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And here's the part that you play in part of this process. Yeah, yeah. And giving people just the opportunity to understand well, you know, where they are in the whole system, I guess. And also I wonder if it's a better way to do it as in including them in on the actual vision creation and the mission creation. Would that be too far or? No, not at all. So, again, I just ran a two-day workshop with a large council here in Australia and I said to the executive who who had commissioned me to come in and do the work, I said, I want you to have a vision and a mission and a purpose. Just, just. A couple of sentences, I just want you to have something that we can work with, okay? This is your division. So so you should at the very least at that top of that pinnacle know where we're going, right? So I always get the executive to come up and, and have a base, right? Then I get all the team. I give everyone a pen in their hand. I stand us around the whiteboard. I've got the vision, mission and purpose up on the whiteboard and I get everyone now to rework it. Let's get something all clear on. We're all happy with it. All makes sense, okay? And that's a much faster process. Um, I've seen companies do it with nothing and they can spend a half a day to a full day trying to get it. It's that. Who has time for that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Get a really clear mission, vision, and purpose. If the leader is clear, and then we refine it. Is that really right? Does that word work? Does that connect? Is that meeting our stakeholders, our clients, our business partners, our community, etc.? And then we get something beautiful that everyone goes, "I want to be a part of that." 
that is why I'm here and that is why we exist and that is where we hope to be in the future. So absolutely agree. When we bring people along with us, Luke, um, and we feel that they're part of the decision-making and part of the process, they're more aligned to come and join us on that bus and be that co-driver with us. And that's what we want. We want people to feel that they helped develop this and decide this and are part of this. And actually, I want I want what you got. So how do we do it together? Mm. So let's have an example, you're Elon Musk and your vision is to get to Mars. That's a very e- easy vision to get on board with. But what if you're selling bathroomware? <laughs> what if you're selling haberdashery? Like how do you get someone on board with that? Yeah, well, to me, it's what is it about that? So, for example, right, we were working, I was working with the council the other day and um, as as any council, it's got, one, hundreds and hundreds of people working for them and probably hundreds and hundreds of departments as well or at least 100 departments. And we were talking about, you know, a wedding that happens at the park, right, and very much the leaders went, yeah, you know, I processed the payment, um, you know, I, and then another one went, my team actually makes sure that the people are, the, are out there mowing the lawns. Another one, another department was making sure that if they got a call to say there was a homeless person in the park, that they arranged for someone to help move them to another area. And so it was like that every single department played a key pivotable role in helping the bride and the groom have the most magical day of their life okay the second part of that was every single one of those departments also made Brisbane look the part clean parks lawn mode okay rates paid bills paid so to Mm -hmm. me Yes, they might only be doing haberdashery, <laughs> okay? But to me, what is that doing? It's probably dressing someone so that they feel confident, so that they can go and get a yeah. job, so that they can look the part, so they can feel smart, so they can feel good, okay? Okay, so there's that part of it, okay? In relation to the bathroom part, yes, you might only be selling taps and you might only be selling bowls and sinks, but let me tell you, I've just designed my new office and you can see some of it in the background. And there was not, thank you, there was nothing more special than actually going in and talking to the guy that sold me my taps, my showers, my vanity, my bowl, because he helped me bring what I've always wanted as a dream office together, okay? Yeah. So it's about helping people to really understand is that, yes, you might only pay the bill or, yes, you might be selling the tap or the organising the lawnmower man to go and make the parks look amazing, but there's Mm. actually a really deeper emotional connection to that and that's the Mm. bit I love is I, I love helping people make that deeper connection around what it is that you're really, really doing. And that's the special part, okay? I, another example is I, I work within the aged care industry. So we're getting calls from families um, to let us know that their um, elderly mother or their father is needing to find a home. Okay, they're needing yep. to be moved into an aged care facility. And it was very much around, okay, what location do you want and, and, you know, when do they need them? And that's quite really quite sterile. You've got people that are emotional at the moment. I have to put my mum and my dad in an aged care facility. I feel guilty. I feel sad. I feel helpless. I feel all of these horrible emotions that are going through me because I can't look after my mum and my dad. Okay, so the end goal for us was having that person on the phone to go, what do they like doing? Do they like walking around gardens? Do they like doing, uh, do they like cooking? Do they like getting their hair cut? Do they need to be close to their grandchildren? Do we need a space out so children can play at the park? Because we wanted to put people in a home so that their grandchildren could come and see them, so that they could still do the, the gardening, all of that. So it's mm-hmm. so much more than just a task. It's so much more than just a job. 
Yeah, well, it's quite beautiful when you think about it because when you create a vision and a mission, you're allowing someone to have purpose, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like that purpose is what creates meaning and meaning creates I want to do this job, I want to work, I want yeah, to give, yeah. I want to contribute. And, yeah, I think when you get it down to its core, like a business, its sole purpose, and maybe this is a bit of a stretch, it's actually a spiritual practice. Like you're actually yeah. trying to change the world for the positive. Mm. Um with the exception of some businesses, I think, but for the most part, for sure, yeah. there is that, yeah, there is that purpose there. You know, you want to, you want to take something that was and make it something that it is, you know? So yeah, that's really cool. So what are you speaking about purpose and passion? What are you uh, passionate about at the moment? What's, what's on your, uh, what to you is making you get up in the morning at the moment? Two things. Okay. Um, I started a, a free leadership workshop um, about three years ago when COVID hit. I had so many leaders reach out to me telling me that they were struggling with leadership and that they weren't getting the support. So I made it my mission to deliver 38 free workshops a year around the world where I provided leadership workshops for one hour a week over those 38 weeks to be able to help people that didn't have the opportunity to get the help through their leaders of leaders, okay? So my mission is to help 10,000 people this year free of charge to get some leadership support. Last year we helped 7,000. So that's what gets me up is the, is the ability to be able to help leaders to be the best leaders for them, for their people, for for the companies they lead, et cetera. So that's one of my my drivers of what I do, what I do. My second second passion is my family, okay? I have two beautiful girls. One's uh, 10, one is 13. And my purpose every day is to help make them into confident, caring and purpose-driven adults. So every day I get up and show them that they can be anything they want to be. Okay, so this is, you know, 11 years I started my own business and I want them to know that they can be who they want to be if they lead a life of of purpose. So both leaders and my children. That's beautiful. What about you? Hmm. To scratch the unscratchable itch of curiosity that I constantly have and to understand uh the deepest truths of reality whether it's through spiritual means scientific um Mm. to feed the voracious hunger of curiosity that i have that's in this um but in my own other business it's actually you know some of the things you mentioned then um i'd love to be one of those ten thousand people by the way um and i have to refine this now but i think with my other business where we do lots of um personal branding for for different clients and we do content and we create, you know, uh, YouTube clips and various things like that. And I have to think about this and refine this based on what we've spoken about mm-hmm. today, actually. Um, but my mission there and my purpose there is to help people who have something to say, get out to the world. You yeah. know, I see lots of, and I've worked with them, lots of people who have amazing ideas, amazing concepts, amazing things that would change someone's life, yes. but no one's ever heard them. Yes, yeah, platform. If I typed into, yeah, to, to give a voice to those, there you go, there it is, to give a voice to those who have something to say. Yeah, no. Right, to help create a personal brand for someone who has something to say. So that would be my mission and that would be my purpose. Um, so I want to guide people on where to go. Any thoughts on that, by the way, before I, before we wrap this up? Yeah, well, I'd go back to go, get down to the core, you know, yeah. like, storytelling has been around for centuries hasn't it it's we you know we we only need to look at the tribal days okay everyone sat around the campfire everyone sat around in communities and they told stories okay when i hear you say i want to i want to give people the voice okay it's it's how can they bring out that story that emotional story that's going to connect people with the compelling reason that's going to drive them action to to either invest in them or give them the opportunity that they want. So to me it would be get 
get into storytelling for them. Why, why, why? What's the emotion? You know, even what I said before, it's it's we're, we're trying to drive the true emotional connection with people. Yeah. How do they yeah. find that and bring that out? Yeah. And that's self-leadership as well, right? You know, like when you exactly. go through that purpose, that mission, and defining what that is for you, you like you get reinvigorated. You're like, yeah. and that's the piece around motivation for emotional intelligence, yeah. you know. And then that's a driver yeah. and the 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 thing that pushes you forward. So I love that, and I'm going to apply it to my life right after this call, I think. Um, <laughs> so for those ten thousand people that you want to yeah. um, support with leadership, is that a good direction to head? And if it is, where can they sign up? Find that myself included. Yeah, sure. So um, go. You can go straight to our our work uh, not workshop our website okay which is performance awesome. advisory group i'll i'll give it to you and you can pop it into the links Please. it's on our home page and again we run these free workshops so that people from all over the world and we get people from all over we have iceland we have uk we have new zealand we have, <laughs> wow. we have like uh, nigeria we have everyone from around the world cool. coming to learn and it's like an opportunity for people to keep on growing and keep on learning um, my motto is is you cannot grow others unless you're growing yourself so how yeah. do how, how do people that maybe don't have the funds or the availability keep doing that well I, I want to be a part of that so you can go to our website yeah. performanceadvisorygroup.com.au and you'll find it all there we'll put in the show notes as well just look that Thank through you. to me and i'll add it there cheers awesome kai thanks so much for joining i appreciate having you on my pleasure thanks for the time luke it was great to chat <laughs>